Welcome to Epignosis, the teaching ministry of Grace Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. Whenever there's a relationship between a subordinate and a superior person, there are certain expectations. The sure way to demonstrate loyalty to a superior is by obedience. It generally works better when subordinate obeys the instruction of the superior. As Christians, Christ is our superior. But Christ said, if you love me, keep my commandments. As a superior in the relationship, Christ naturally deserves the obedience of everyone who has chosen to follow him. However, Christ has chosen to make obedience conditional. He said, if you love me. This is because to Christ, obedience should be inspired by love and nothing else. Thinking about it, it's not really a normal thing to say, if you love me, obey me. Normally, people demand obedience and enforce it through laid down sanctions reserved for offenders. If you consider the reality of this world, it would seem that obedience rarely comes by love, but rather it comes by fear. People don't seem to want to obey if there are no threats of consequences attached. If laws are put in place and no efforts are made to enforce the laws, then you might as well forget about the laws. Fear is the driver of obedience in this world. The police carry weapons so that citizens will obey them. The threats of prison terms for offenders are set to serve as a deterrent. At the workplace, sanctions are put in place to make employees do their jobs. In organizations, schools, cities, villages, countries, and even families, we see the same thing played out over and over. Rules are put in place with consequences for not following them attached. Attached consequences are put there to make the people fear and thereby force obedience. With the foregoing in consideration, why then will Christ ask his followers to obey him if they love him? With what we know about people, should he not have attached a few threats to make his followers obey him? Will people not respond faster if they are afraid of consequences? These questions I just asked actually come from a mind guided by the logic of worldly wisdom. Generally, we are all cognitive beings. A cognitive being is a being that is able to recognize what it has seen before. That is what cognitive abilities are. It is the ability to recall what you have seen before. Who we are is the sum total of the things we have stored inside us. Like they say, 
garbage in, garbage out. Now consider this. Each day you wake up, you remember who you are, the language you speak. You remember things you have learned to do, like walking, talking, eating. You remember people you know, the places you've been, like where you live and where you work. Imagine life without these cognitive abilities. People will have to start all over again every day, learning by themselves from the scratch every day. There couldn't even be teachers because nobody would remember anything anyway. However, as wonderful as our cognitive abilities are, they also represent the limit to what our natural minds can know. We can only know what we have seen, touched, heard, tasted, smelled. Believe it or not, everything your five senses shows you are interpreted by your mind on the basis of what has been stored in it since the day you were born. Which means, if you see something and you have never seen anything similar before, you may have difficulty making sense of that thing. You might not believe it or it might not seem like it, but real truth cannot come from the senses. Not because the mind wants to deceive you, but it simply is unable to know it. Now, Apostle Paul talks about infirmities of man in Romans 8.26. When he said, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what to pray as we ought. He was addressing prayer. The infirmity he was speaking about is ignorance. We simply don't know as much as we think. Normally, a person doesn't know anything his senses has never contacted, even if that thing is in existence. So we only know what we have come into contact with, not what exists. The question is, how much of what exists have we come into contact with? As a matter of fact, that feeling that we know everything is a delusion of our own minds. Haven't you noticed that the most ignorant people appear to be the most confident about what they think they know? More knowledgeable people are more humble and cautious and open to learn. The only way to connect to the level of the thinking of Christ is to connect beyond this natural realm up to the spirit realm or the divine realm. This is what I call the realm of truth. The realm of truth is the realm of the heart. If you do not connect up to that level, you will never know the truth. With the things we have now said before, let us consider obedience by fear and the truth about it. Now in the Old Testament, the operators of that dispensation who were actually angels. Now please see Acts 7.53 and Hebrews 2.2. These two scriptures prove that the Old Testament was administered by angels. These angels deployed the method of fear to force obedience on the children of Israel. 
For example, at Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, the angel of the Lord appeared as fire that consumed the entire mountain. Threats of death if anyone touched the mountain was issued. There was thunder, there was lightning, then a great voice that made all the people quake to their foundations. Oh, the fear that gripped these people. Think about it. What else could have been more frightening than what they had experienced? That experience should certainly have made these people obedient for the rest of their lives, right? No, wrong. Not long after that awesome event in Exodus 32, while they were still at that same mountain, the same people built a golden calf and danced around it and worshipped it and said that was the calf that brought them out of Egypt. This was because the mountain was no longer on fire. The thunder was gone. There was no more lightning. The great voice had gone. And Moses, the one they saw as their tormentor, was no longer to be found. As a result of this new state of affairs, the truth came out. Remember I said that truth cannot be known through the senses but through the spirit. Whatever these people were doing and saying when the thunder was around and when Moses was there was not real. It was an appearance put up for fear of impending doom. Once the threat is gone, the real thing shows up. This very drama repeats itself over and over again in the Old Testament. Now, God made men as gods on the earth. That's the real meaning of Genesis 1.26. Making men in the image of God is actually making men to be gods on this earth. Men are designed to be masters of this planet. They were not designed to come under anything on the earth but to have dominion. That's why it appears as if men are naturally rebellious towards laws. It's actually the God in them reacting. When you put them under any situation they do not desire, they do whatever they can to get out of it, including lie, pretend, and even kill. All men desire to control their own lives and destinies. Now, let us look at the inverse side of this matter, which was Christ's own way, that is obedience by love. There was no mountain, no fire, no earthquake, no great voice. Christ was born as a man, walked among them in humility, showed them love by paying their eternal debts, and they reciprocated their love which resulted in obedience. He gave them life and gave them the Holy Spirit as a free gift unconditionally. What happened when he left? Now, unlike Moses, when he left, they didn't only obey him, they died for him. Apostle Peter denied him while he was still on earth, but died for him when he was gone. And many still die 2,000 years later.
This is not because they are afraid of him. This is because they love him and do so by choice and not by force. When Moses left, Israel nearly scattered and disobeyed him. And they betrayed him just few days. But followers of Christ have remained faithful for thousands of years and still die for him till today. We see in churches today and indeed not just Christianity but in all the world religion the use of fear as a tool to get faithfuls to obey. The threat of the suffering in hell attacks by evil spirits is a regular diet that religious people ingest. The picture of a terrible God who has his hammer lifted waiting to descend routinely is painted to the people. Laws, consequences are repeatedly taught, all in an effort to knock the faithfuls into shape through fear. They even use the name of God to endorse their own ideas to give it gravity because they believe that people will obey once they are told that it was God who said it. These things have been going on thousands of years and it cuts across every single religion on earth. Those religious leaders are not necessarily bad people. They may have good intentions but they are operating with natural wisdom. The truth is that the more you preach about sin, the more you put your listener under its curse. The more you talk about hell, the faster your listener approaches it. Fear achieves nothing good. Let's replace fear with faith. Replace preaching of sin with talking about righteousness. Rather than the horrors of hell, let's talk about the glory of heaven. Rather than what God expects from people, let's declare what God has done for people. 1 John 4.19 says, We love him because he first loved us. Therefore, it's the knowledge of the love of God for us that brings true obedience, not fear. True obedience is from the heart. And any obedience that is not from the heart is an illusion which will never stand the test of time. Consider every tyrant that has ever lived. They are mocked once they are no longer in power. The respect and the honor they gathered while they were in power is quickly lost and turned to ridicule. Therefore, the only true obedience is by love. Every obedience extracted through fear is fake and will never stand before God and eventually it will fizzle away before men. Thank you so much for listening and God bless you. Hope you were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support and contributions, kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 We would love to hear from you. God bless you.